Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast, coming today from Chengdu. Ada is off this week. First, the news. It was a relatively quiet week in China, nothing new from the trade wars, the Huawei front was fairly calm, and no big corruption scandals emerged. Xi Jinping did helm the second Belt and Road Forum in Beijing, and several heads of state did attend, uh, but despite $64 billion in total deals, there were no particularly big ones announced. But it's China, there's always something going on, so here's what you need to know. China Unicom has become the first Chinese carrier to offer 5G wireless telecom services to the public in selected cities, putting China among the global frontrunners in rolling out the super-fast mobile technology. Unicom said trials have begun in Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, Shenzhen, Nanjing, and Hangzhou, as well as Xiong'an, a new economic zone just south of Beijing. Rivals China Mobile and China Telecom are both set to roll out trial services this year. Besides exponential speed increases, the technology is expected to revolutionize mobile data access, powering artificial intelligence and smart devices, including vehicles and home appliances. China seems to be following through on its cautious but promised loosening of rules to list on the mainland stock market. China's securities regulator, the CSRC, said it will ease profit requirements and speed up the review process for IPOs. These moves bring China more in line with how mature Western stock markets operate, where it's easier to list, but there are stringent disclosure requirements once you are a public company. Up until now, up until now, China's system has largely been guided by the government hand in deciding who can list and in setting prices. Such changes come alongside the launch of China's upcoming Nasdaq-style high-tech board, which adopts a registration-based IPO system that removes many regulatory hurdles and simplifies the lengthy approval process. We all think of China as the land of content piracy, and that may still be true in many respects, but a new report says that Chinese consumers at least are increasingly willing to pay for quality content online, including music and video. 
Paid downloads of copyrighted music became the Chinese digital music market's main revenue source last year, hitting nearly 60%, up from a mere 31.3% five years ago. A similar effect has been seen in online video markets. Paid consumption of copyrighted video contributed nearly one-third of the market's revenues in 2018. This is up from a measly 4% six years ago. One caveat, there is still insufficient data here to show what proportion of paid services for music and video content are going to sites which honor copyright protections of the content even as they profit from selling access to it. In other words, Chinese consumers may sometimes be paying sites that neither own the copyrighted content nor have they paid for the right to sell access to it. As such, the music and video copyright owners may still not be receiving royalties or license payments. In such cases, even if the consumer has paid for quality copyrighted content, content piracy and copyright infringement remain a problem. After years of mountains of cash and spending wars among bike share startups, the companies that make those bikes are feeling the pinch of the industry's cooling. Profits have tumbled by 75% or so at a pair of suppliers to China's top two bike sharing operators. After experiencing a massive boom in 2017, China's bike sharing market shifted into a lower gear last year as investors tired of providing millions of dollars in fresh funds needed to keep the duo of Mobike and Ofo rolling. Cost cutting by both firms has, in turn, dampened business for makers of bikes and bike components like Shanghai Phoenix Enterprise and HL Corp. Phoenix, a supplier of bikes to Ofo, saw its net profit plunge 75% last year. Similarly, profits at HL Corp, which supplies bike components to Mobike, fell by 76%. Both companies had previously reported strong profit growth the previous year as the bike sharing industry surged. But all that has suddenly changed. Ofo is on life support as it struggles to pay its obligations, while Mobike is also undergoing an overhaul after being purchased last year by internet giant Meituan Dianping. Yet another Chinese coffee startup says it has netted fresh funding. Fast-growing but little-known chain Coffee Box, Lian Cafe, said it has received $31 million in new funding, jointly raised by its founders and local VC firms Qiming Venture Partners and Gaorong Capital. The news comes two days after Starbucks rival Luckin Coffee filed for an IPO in New York. More on Luckin in our interviews later. Originally, five-year-old Coffee Box simply delivered coffee for global brands such as Starbucks and Costa but it now delivers its own coffee and operates stores where you can pick up drinks and food and hang out, though the stores are small and aren't designed for extended stays like at a Starbucks. As with Luckin, Coffee Box is focused on its mobile ordering and aggressively offered digital coupons to attract customers. Let's turn now as we do each week to some of Caixin Global's reporters and editors for a deeper dive in some of the big stories in this week's news. First up is Fran Wong, economics reporter for Caixin Global. Fran, I've been following this African swine fever story. I think a lot of us have. Uh, it's a disease that pigs get, and, and there's been outbreaks in China. Maybe before we delve into that, perhaps you can talk about the central role of pork in China uh, and the impact of pork prices on the economy. Uh, well, pork is the most popular meat uh, in Chinese diet. China is the world's largest producer and consumer of the meat. 
and pork has been playing a key role in driving changes in the consumer price index, which is the main gauge of consumer inflation. So how is this rapidly spreading disease affecting China? Uh, the first infection in China was found in August in the northeastern province of Liaoning. And so far, the uh, deadly disease, which is fatal to pigs but doesn't affect humans, has uh, spread to all the 31 provincial level regions on the mainland. And so far, more than 1 million pigs nationwide has, have been slaughtered. So it has caused big losses for the industry, for farmers, and uh, also the agricultural ministry officials are warning of a supply shortage in the second half of this year, which may drive pork prices to hit record highs. And what is the likely impact on the Chinese economy? Well, I think the most directly impact on the Chinese economy may be on inflation, because although the government has not released the weighting of different items in the basket of goods and services used to calculate the, the consumer price index, analysts widely estimate that food accounts for about 30% of the overall index. And agriculture ministry officials said this week at a briefing that pork takes the biggest share in food in the calculation of CPI. So a spike in pork prices could well drive up CPI. Fran, thanks for the update on pork, and uh, we hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Next up is Doug Young, Managing Editor of Tyson Global, and we're going to talk about the coffee delivery phenomenon, Luckin Coffee, which I just had this morning, in fact, here in Chengdu. Uh, what's the story here with Luckin? Yeah, Luckin Coffee is uh, quite the story. Uh, I, I'm also... Uh I don't know if I would call myself a fan of them, but uh, I, I definitely drink their coffee every day. And it's actually not bad. Uh, this is basically a story of really just a two-year-old company, and they've only been serving coffee for about a year and a half. But basically, since they went online, and, and literally they went online because they only take orders through their app. Since they went online, they've uh, just grown at a breakneck pace. They're up to more than 2,000 stores, and, and they're really you know, challenging Starbucks. I mean, Starbucks has reported weak China sales the last two quarters, and everybody is saying, you know, this is luckin', and, and I think most people believe that. And the story is that very out of the bluish, uh, at least in my view, uh, they suddenly filed for a U.S. IPO uh, this past week. Uh, and they're looking to raise up to $100 million, which, you know, isn't a ton of money, but it's not chump change either. Uh, so this was very quick for, like, again, such a young company. Doug, you've been watching companies here in China for years and years as they've moved toward IPO. Uh, but this one's got to be even unusual for you, just how quickly it's gone from zero to an IPO filing. Well, this is the big question. In my view, this really looks like a, a bit like desperation to me. Uh They've gotten several hundred million dollars of venture funding. They claim to have like a two or three billion dollar market cap right now. But the fact is, is this company is just burning through cash incredibly fast. I mean, when you grow that fast and give away as much coffee as they do, you're going to be going through lots of money. And I think at this point, you know, the investors may already be getting tired of this company. And so they're saying, well, gee, investors aren't giving it to us. Banks certainly aren't going to give it to us. Let's see if uh, some suckers on Wall Street will give it to us. Okay, Doug, so the second story is on the notorious markets list that the USTR puts out. I've had personal dealings with this uh, this 
process when I was working at Baidu. Uh, but let's let you tell us uh, all about this list. This is a, a list that's compiled by the U.S. Trade Representative's Office, and, and it comes out every year. This year, it's actually come out a little bit late, but it basically casts a spotlight on markets, mostly online marketplaces, but also some real-world marketplaces that are famous for trafficking in, in pirated goods, essentially knockoffs. Uh, and the story this week is that Alibaba, and specifically Alibaba's uh, Taobao marketplace, which is sort of like an eBay-style marketplace, it's a bit of an, an online flea market where you know little mom-and-pop shops can sell their stuff. There, they that marketplace has ended up on the list for the third time, uh, third year in a row, I should say. And the other one is a new arrival to the list, which is a company called Pindodo, which is sort of shot to very rapid fame here in China. They're, they're now the third biggest e-commerce site in China, and they've, they've really made huge gains by offering super cheap stuff. And, and I think they're trying to appeal to sort of people in China's smaller towns who are a little bit more price sensitive. So they just did an IPO in the U.S. about nine months ago, and bang, nine months later, look where they land. Pinduoduo doesn't surprise me, I have to say. Uh, so they just found too many pirated goods on Pinduoduo is, is, I mean, gosh, what a shock. Yeah, with both of these. I mean, it's basically the USTR takes a look at how much pirated goods are on your site, but then also what you're doing to try and correct the problem. And, and so they tend to listen to a lot of the brands whose stuff is being sold on the sites. And then they'll go to Pinduoduo or Alibaba and say, what are you doing and, you know, they'll make their judgment based on that. And finally, what do you think the ramifications are for this year's list uh, on these particular companies? Well, the ramifications this year are the same as every year. There's there's really no legal ramifications. You know, this isn't, it's not binding. There's no law that, well, the law that's been broken is pirated stuff going on their sites. But in the big scheme of things, it's, it's really just more of an em- embarrassment for these companies. Alibaba has has fought tooth and nail to get off this list. They did actually about 10 years ago manage to get themselves off the list and then sort of uh, it became very political. And three years ago, they got put back on it. And like I said, ever since they got put back on, they've been trying to get off again and they keep telling everybody all they're doing about to fight piracy and this and that. But, you know, there are obviously voices out there that are stronger than Alibaba's that are keeping them on. So it's an embarrassment for them. And, and you know, likewise for Pindodo, I mean, they're, they're just newly listed. This is not going to be a big feather in your cap. You know, if you're trying to sell Wall Street investors on what a great play you are that, uh, gee, you've been blacklisted by the, the you know, fairly reputable U.S. government organization that's saying you are making a lot of your money off trafficking and pirated goods. So no legal ramifications, but it certainly doesn't help your reputation. That's great. Uh, Well, Doug, we will follow up and uh, see if these companies clean up their act in the coming months. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Kaiser. Thank you. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is powered by SubChina and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Tanner Brown with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Watch for a Seneca podcast soon taped here in Chengdu at a Caixin conference called Talking China's Economy, 2019 Forecasts and Strategies. Be sure to follow the news from China every day at SubChina. Subscribe to our newsletter at subchina.com. Take care.